As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is the KPK Outdoor Show. I'm Bob Sims. Thank you for tuning in today. Boy, there's a lot going on, not the least of which is the Dixie Fire, which I just checked. It is now up to 434,813 acres. They are protecting the town of Chester. I don't know how they're doing it. The town of Greenville is basically gone. The town of Canyon Dam is basically gone, including, I'm sorry to say, Quail Lodge. Uh, I stayed there this last spring. Wonderful little place. It's designed for fishermen. Burned to the ground. And uh, I talked to John Crotty, who we had on the air several times with fishing reports. And, uh, of course, everybody's devastated and in shock and They just don't know what they're going to do. Of course, how can they decide anything to do when they've been through what they've been through? So <clears throat> it's just a horrible thing. Um, and that brings us to uh, force, forest uh, regulations. You know, like, for example, in El Dorado National Forest right now, there are no campgrounds, wood or charcoal fires allowed in designated campgrounds <clears throat> or outside of designated campgrounds in the national forest. No combustible engines may be operated without a, a spark arrester. Uh, you cannot maintain any kind of a wood-burning fire in the national forest right now. This is probably how the river fire out of Colfax started. It did It did start in the Bear River campground. We don't know if it started by a campfire, but when it's as dry as it is now, it doesn't take much of a spark to, to just go up and land 15 feet away and start some grass on fire. It really doesn't, so be aware of that. Be very careful. 
when you're in the woods. Um, what's going on? Well, salmon are in the news, and some of it is for a good reason, and some of it is for not such good reason. Um, it's apparent that the state just doesn't care about our salmon. Uh, I'm not going to get into it too much, but they just don't care. And neither does the Federal Bureau of Re Reclamation, who's killed more salmon than any other entity in the last hundred years. Um, but the salmon fishing up and down the Sacramento River system, very slow. Um, I mean, the only salmon fishing I'm hearing about around Sacramento is up at Sand Beach above, above town just a, a couple of miles. Uh, people going down casting spinners off the bank. They're catching an occasional salmon. Bank fishermen do good this time of year. The salmon do follow structure when they're on the move up the river. And that's why the bank fishermen a lot of times will outfish the boat fishermen. Because these salmon are, you know, they may be only 10 feet deep following a rock levee up, up the river. So that's what that's when they used to be able to fish below the Freeport Bridge on the Yolo side before the farmers threw them out of there. Um, they caught a lot of fish there. So anyway, uh, water's very, very warm. Um, the fishing in the feather, of course, they shut the afterbay outlet off and uh, uh, that eliminated a place for the salmon to hold. So that's kind of dropped off. Um, up in the Sacramento River, that section opened last Sunday and uh, they caught fish. Kurt Portacura caught four fish that day. But these are, and they're good fish, but they're still springers. They're spring-run salmon. It's the tail end of them, and they're, they've got a little color to them. They're definitely not the, uh, the, the bright fish. Now, there's an occasional bright fish. That's by the, probably the first of the fall-run salmon. But there's no evidence of any numbers of the bright fall-run fish up the river as yet. So there we have it. In the ocean, of course, we'll get reports from Andy Giuliano uh, in just about 10 minutes, but um, the Bay Area seems to be <clears throat> the center point. Now, Bodega Bay, um, they've, uh, it's on and off, on and off, on and off, but the quality of the fish are very good. And there's also a jellyfish problem. In fact, the jellyfish problem goes from Bodega Bay clear up to Fort Bragg. Uh, Fort Bragg had some salmon this week for the commercial fishermen. You know how deep they were? 400 feet. The commercial guys were catching salmon 400 feet deep. You can't deal with that if you're a sportsman. So um, <clears throat> there's uh, no evidence of a fresh run of salmon in the lower Klamath, although if you fish hard, you can get your one fish limit there. You know, they're moving in and out of that estuary. They're still nice, fresh fish. So there we have that. Uh, but we're going to jump around. Uh, we're going to, in this hour, we're going to talk to Ryan Cook about bass fishing in the middle of summer. And, you know, he fishes mostly uh, New Malonis and uh, Don Pedro. And, and we're going to talk about, you know, so hard to catch big bass in the middle of summer. Um, so we're going to talk about how can we go out and have a good time and catch some nice two and three pounders on light tackle. I mean, that's a fun day. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, 
We're going to have uh, Rob Reimers is over at uh, Berryessa because there's no signal around Markley Cove. He's going to call in in the seven o'clock hour, but he's fished. He's been over to Berryessa a couple times this week. He even fished the Sacramento River up by Grimes for stripers, which usually offers pretty good summer striper fishing. We'll find out how he did. Don Paganelli will join us and give us the results of that frog tournament in the Delta last week. I'm curious about that as well. Um, Kyle Wise, of course, will uh, join us. Uh, he's fished uh, New Malonis and Pardee in anticipation of the Kokanee Power Derby there a week from today. And they're catching fish at Pardee. There's a lot of people on that lake, though, 40 or 50 boats. And uh, the pre-fishing, when they heard the, the fishing open up, the fish are schooled up. Uh, they're deep. We're going to get a, a report from Brian Thomas, who sent me a picture of limits a couple of times this week. Um, Robbie Dun Dunham is going to call in, and believe it or not, he's catching limits of trout at Comanche Lake. He's going to tell you how he does it. Gary Cole join us, uh, talking us, talking to us about next week's derby and it's really shaped up to be a good it's the first derby they've really been able to from the get-go you know they had to change it from bullard's bar because there was the low water and the launching problems to to party just like a couple of weeks ago but it's still been the first derby in, in two years that they ha they can plan for a lunch and a raffle and boy do they have some nice raffle prizes i mean uh, really nice. We'll get into that later. Um, I talked to Jim Johnson. He's up in the, near Sierra City in Downeyville in the North Yuba. And it's like a ghost town up there with the smoke and the warm water. And even though uh, some of the lakes in the Gold Lake Basin have been planted, there's just not a lot of people want to deal with the, the smoke and and uh, and what's going on up there. Uh we will have Kurt Porter on. He found this week, he found some beautiful kokanee at Whiskey Town. And it's about time. And they're clean as a whistle. So uh, that, that should be very, very good. Um, check with Anchor Charters up in Fort Bragg about the salmon and the rock fishing, which is just outstanding. And a little peek into maybe the first of the albacore off the coast of California. Okay. <laughs> Um, Phil's prop, Andrew George, you know, uh, Shasta Lake, it's down so low, historically low, and the, the, the sides, the slopes of the lake haven't been exposed to the erosion like this, so there's still a lot of silt. So when you get a lot of boat traffic or wind, that lake muddies up. What has it done for the bass? moved them up to five to ten feet of water and some nice sized spots and largemouth. It sounds like the pre-spawn in the spring. Crazy. Uh, the fly shop, Shannon Ang will give us Ang will give us a rundown in the upper Sacramento River by Dunsmere, which isn't fishing bad. The McLeod River is still the problem with the glacier. And over on Hat Creek and the Fall River will check all that. Uh, Matt Mitchell uh, fished the Sacramento River up in the Posse Grounds. That's the, the area that just opened up from the winter salmon, winter run salmon closure. And there was a lot of big trout taken up there. A lot of 20 inch plus wild rainbows. I mean, that's quite a fishery. So there's an awful lot going on. Uh, 
we'll we'll uh, we'll get into you know this JPEX lure has just been uh, the last several years. Uh, it just it's just been a wonderful lure for kokanee and for trout. We're going to tell you where you can get some in time for the Derby. Uh, we'll update you on the on the ba- uh, the Butte Creek salmon kill. 12,000 salmon out of an 18,000 because PG&E shut the water off. Unbelievable. Um, I want you to know now, Capel Cove at Berryessa, I think it's a, it used to be a free launch, and I don't know if they were charging for it. Anyway, it's closed due to, to low water, but other ramps around the lake are open that they'll, they will charge you a pretty penny. But Capella is closed to regular boat launching, but you can still launch like kayaks and things like that there. So anyway, lots going on. Uh, So all this and more coming up in the next two hours and 45 minutes on the KFPK Outdoor Show. Thanks for being here. Let's talk to Andy Giuliano of about the fishing in the Bay Area, specifically salmon. Good morning, Andy. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. It's a, it's a smoky time out there. I mean, uh, in the Bay Area, I'm sure you didn't get it, but, you know, yesterday was the first day the valley filled with smoke, and in the hill from the valley, say from Sacramento, which had poor air quality, you get up into the hills, which had worse air quality. The higher you went up Highway 50 or Highway 80, the worse the air quality got up to over 500 in some cases, which is devastatingly unhealthy. And um, hopefully it's going to blow out today, but uh, that's what we're sitting in, <laughs> is a smoke yeah, bomb. We, yeah, it is. It's, uh, it's an unfortunate way, the period we're in here. We we did either the closer you get to the coast, we've got a little onshore breeze here. Not bad. Yeah. It's fine for fishing, but it does help clear it up here. And then even for us, as we go into the East Bay and then into the valley there, you can yeah. see it. But uh, hopefully yeah. they'll swing around here and they can get their hands around that Dixie yeah. fire up there. Another good reason to come to the bay and go fishing, right, Andy? I couldn't have said it better. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on out there? So we had some really nice, uh, really nice salmon fishing uh, the last second half of the week here uh, for sure. But uh, all week we had at least you know average of fish around. The smaller boats had limits. The the six pack boats had six, eight, ten, twelve fish a boat, and uh, and super nice fish. Uh, you know nobody's got. A, I would say. 15 to 18 pound average probably on the fish. I did see a couple pictures of some really superb quality fish. One of the one of the uh, San Francisco boats had a fish that they said was 45, and I don't know if it was 45, but it was an honest 40. That's for sure. So some uh, some superb quality Sacramento River type salmon out in front here right now. Yeah. Oh God. Well. Um... Tell, tell me what's going. Tell me where they're catching fish in the ocean. So they've been straight out on the edge of the bar, on the edge of the north bar, up to Mere Beach, Rocky Point, uh-huh. uh, and then all the way up to Duxbury. Some days they they stretched up above Duxbury up to Double Point. Um, so in the all in those areas, you just got to find the right area with the bait. The fish have been a little deeper, so some of the guys have been putting three-pound balls on uh-huh. and fishing a little deeper. If you were in wow, a, that's you know, interesting. 
a private boat with downriggers, it's probably uh, probably not uh, not a bad uh, arrangement to be in. And then I would also think here, I think we're going to have one or two of the boats switch over and try uh, mooching this week. Okay. And uh, that'll give them a little chance to fish the deeper, Good. not the deeper water, but deeper into the water column. Yeah, and, um, and we had some good luck with that last year when we saw this type of, of uh, situation here. So we're going to try that this week too. Okay, um, interesting. They've gone to the three-pound balls. <clears throat> uh, usually by this time of year, the salmon uh, there's no problem catching salmon in the top 30 feet, so they're a little deeper, huh? Yeah. Would you, what would be a typical arrangement? Would you see the guys on the bow with with the spectra spectra line and three pounders, so more straight up and down, midships two and a half pounders, and then uh-huh. it's not unusual to see a few guys on the stern with two pounders yeah. that are stretched out a little bit. So to kind of stretch the gear out, cover the water column, and sure. obviously in the morning we typically in the morning the fish are up high, and uh, and then later in the day. Uh, the deeper, particularly when it's sunny, the deeper the deeper lines fish better. Uh-huh. But that's that's a generalization, though we've certainly seen it opposite ways happen plenty of times. But uh, but as a rule, as later in the day when the sun comes up higher, uh, the fish tend to drop down a little bit. Uh, what's the latest on how the commercial guys are doing? It was really good. I, mean, uh, <clears throat> I, I was over in San Francisco on the wharf there on Wednesday. There was a boat that offloaded several hundred pounds of really nice fish. And um, I think their price is right around seven dollars a pound right now. So um, that's not bad for think, salmon. No, I think they've done. I think you, you know, the numbers are clearly. You know, we've talked about this uh, since we opened here, but then obviously the the projections of where we were going to be were dramatically undershot. And um, I think the commercial guys have caught uh, their allotment of fish on the upper end that they were expected to catch. So. Um, clearly the, you know, I know there's a lot of controversy about bringing the fish down and, you know, right now it's about the only way to get these fish back into the ocean is to get them down here and drop them off here. But, uh, but clearly it's paying dividends for the ocean fishery. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Well, you know, I heard that, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I did hear you. I mean, you probably, I didn't miss it on the show there, but I did hear some, uh, the uh, barge hole had some decent fishing open up last weekend. Was that correct? Yeah, uh, but but they were springers. There's no yeah, evidence okay. of any fall fish up there, with the exception of one here or there, but no numbers. Okay. So the, these are fish that have been in the river for a while. Yeah, and that's my the the resources I have up in the Orville Chico area. They would yeah. say that spring run is completely missed. That that's the river is full of fish in the spring, and the department just closes their eyes to that. Yeah. Well, uh, and of course, we're just waiting. The Bureau of Reclamation haven't hasn't figured out how to kill these fish yet, but I'm sure they're working on it. They're very good yeah. at that. Yeah, they've they've done a, a great job with Orville yeah. Reservoir, which probably isn't even a re- <laughs> well, that's not, not the Bureau anymore, right? That, that's the state. So don't oh, the Bureau doesn't have a a, a a wrapped up deal on this water thing. The state is. Every bit as bad as Orville, uh, just about as irresponsible as can be right now. So yeah, it's it's a sad state of affairs. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And if we we go another, uh, you know, we've talked about it. We need some rain this year. We we'll just have to sure. We have to seed seed the clouds or do something, do rain dance or something to get some rainfall this year. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be dancing. 
<laughs> it may not be a pretty sight, but I'll be dancing. Well, hey, if it brings if it brings the rain, you just keep on doing it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> What's happening with the bottom fish? Bottom fishing is great. You know, the last couple of weeks here, it's really been good with the weather laid out, and uh, it's been a, a consistent uh, set, settled down pattern. So the rock fishing is autom- you know, pretty much automatic on the at the islands, and uh, pretty good link cod scores. I would say average a fish a rod. Uh, we had several days where we had 40 or 50 link cod too, and most of those are coming off the uh, sand dabs or sardines that the guys are fishing on the on the uh-huh. bait rigs, the slider rigs on those. So okay, I think so. Very good. You know, the quality of the rockfish this year just gets better and better at the islands. You get big olives and yellows and a lot of a lot of red variety on the bottom there too. So really nice fishing. Yeah. It's so nice when the weather allows you to go out there. I mean, that, that's just, uh, I mean, that's almost like a bucket list trip. And it's not that expensive when you think you go from San Francisco out to the Farallon Islands. We know how famous that wildlife refuge is. And we know the sea life out there is, I don't know if there's any place in the world quite like, quite like it. And you get all that for the price of a fishing trip. That's That's a pretty good deal. Yeah, then you have the whales on the way out, the seabirds yeah. for the people that are the seabirds, and then and then the fishing's exceptional. So uh, the, when we get a nice stable weather pattern like we've had over, you know, pretty much for the last couple of weeks, the fish really respond to that. They bite and feed much heavier. Yeah. And when you have when you have temperature and weather going up and down, so we'll just keep punching those out as yeah. much as we can here. Halibut. Uh, a few, you know, the guys have mixed it up a little bit. Some of the rock caught the smaller boats, the six packers fishing the coastal for rockfish. They're getting a few link, I mean, a few halibut up to say like a handful mixed in. So I know there was some taken on the south bar, uh, middle part of the week too there. So I think if a guy wants the halibut, puts in his time uh, up along the coast, not much in the bay. But along the coast, the Marine Coast, or down uh, Pacifica, all the way down there on the San Mateo side, wouldn't be a bad shot of getting a halibut there. Okay, uh, that sounds pretty good. We only have a couple seconds left. Any stripers showing up to speak of? I have not heard. I've, I've seen some up in the Antioch area. That's as close okay. as they've gotten to us. Uh, that's where they are. Okay, thank yeah. you, Andy. Appreciate it. Have a good week. All righty, Bob. Thanks. Andy Giuliano, Fish M revealed to book a trip, area code 510-652-3474. After the break, black bass fishing. Welcome back. You know, uh, one of the problems every bass fisherman has in the summer is how to target big fish. Well, you can target them, but it takes a lot of effort and a lot of knowledge to get big bass in summer months. Uh, Ryan Cook has been doing it. He's been doing it with topwater fishing, even as the water temperatures approach the mid-70s and higher. Uh, The bass don't seem to mind it (laughs) if you know how to do it. But, you know, most of us would be very happy for this this time of year to go out Use light tackle and catch some nice, you know, a combination of the of the three bass, large mouth, small mouth, spots, whatever, two to three pounds or maybe a little bit bigger. That's a good day. 
And so we're going to be talking about both those with Ryan Cook Fishing and Ryan Cook, who's with us now. Good morning, Ryan. Hey, Ryan. Hey, good morning, Bob. How are we hey. doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Um, you've been fishing New Malonas and Don Pedro. And are you still uh, targeting uh, the bigger fish with the surface uh, plugs first thing in the morning? Yeah, for the most part, <clears throat> most of our bigger bites are coming on top water. And it's not, but man, it's not first thing in the morning. Most of our bigger bites are coming, uh, believe it or not, during the heat of the day from that. 9 a.m. to to 1 p.m. window. Um, now, doesn't that go against the rule book? It it, it does, but man, the, ever since I started doing this for a living, I realized uh, the old rule book doesn't come into play as much as I used to think it does. <laughs> <laughs> These fish are constantly changing, and it, it, most everything with getting your bigger bites and your numbers this time of year on our lakes, because we have no current, it's all wind driven. It's yeah. all dictated by the wind. You know, it's interesting. You know, you have clear water down there in uh, New Malonis and Don Pedro and at Shasta, which is at historically low levels and all that silt that hasn't been able to erode off the banks is now eroding off the banks with all the boat traffic and the winds clouding up the water and the bass love it. They're catching nice fish up there in five to ten feet of water, all day long. When that water's, but when that water starts to stain up, it uh, yeah, it those those fish move up into it. They feel more comfortable. Yeah. They can't sure. get as good a look at the bait, and they're easier to catch. You know. Yeah. So what what plugs are you using for the surface bite? I mean, I'm sure you rotate on and off the surface depending on where you are in the lake uh, with with other baits that we'll talk about in a minute. But but what do you like to use? This time of year right now, it's all about covering water. So I want something that I could chuck and wind that I can just bring fast. Um, I'm throwing a Whopper Plopper or or a Berkeley Chopo. um, And I'm also throwing a D&M Customs Double Buzz Vape. And both of those baits, I can just throw it out and reel it in. You know, I, it, does color make a difference? Like fish fast. Um, as fast as I'm fishing them, no, it does not. But I still like to stick with your shad patterns and your bluegill patterns. Something white, something silver, something with a little bit of gold in it. I mean, that stuff all works real well. Yeah, sure. Okay. Now let's 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 get away from that and back to what makes a few numbers to make our day when we're out fishing on light tackle. What are we going to do there? Well, if you want to go out and catch numbers, and if I get, you know, more rookie clients in the boat that that don't want to devote the time to top water, because you're not going to go get a whole lot of bites doing that right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's really hard to beat a drop shot. <clears throat> Just a good old drop shot, six to eight pound test, quarter ounce drop shot weight, um, up from the weight, about a 12 to 14 inch liter. Number one or number two nose nose hooked, four inch shad pattern worm. It's really hard to beat that as far as getting bit. That's just about as standard as it gets, huh? Yeah, it's it, it's a simple rig that gets a lot of bites. It's really easy to get a hook in them because you don't have to even set the hook. You just got a reel. Yeah. Um, and we've caught some real big fish on it over the years too. Don't get me wrong, you know. Sure. Back in 2009, I up at Lake Oroville, I won a bass boat on that rig. Is that right? <laughs> yes, sir. I was drop shotting. I was drop shotting uh, 80 to 90 foot of water all weekend. 
Oh my goodness. Now, are, are you going that deep uh, in your lakes? Uh, you know what? You could catch them out to that right now, but there's no need to. Most of our fish, the topwater fish have been staying shallow. I'm, I mean, up, up near the bank, most of them. There's a few we're catching offshore in the wood. Um, but for the most part, with the with the drop shot fish, that kind of stuff, we're not fishing it past about 40 foot of water. Oh, okay. But, now, do you, do, you, do you like to fish that rig suspended up off the bottom at all? I will, um, depending on where I'm seeing the fish. You know, I mean, if I can visually see them, <clears throat> I'm, I'm almost throwing it out and swimming it. Um, but I'm always watching my graph, you know, and I'm looking to see what depth those fish are at. If I'm seeing a lot of activity in 15 to 20 foot of water, you know, and I'm out in 40, well, then I might throw that thing out, count it down about four seconds, and then just kind of actually swim it, you know, just kind of do a shake of the rod tip and a slow, yeah. steady reel, that kind of stuff. Now, you said a little bit ago when you described the setup like a 12 to 14-inch leader, but did you mean the distance from the weight up to the inline hook, or do you actually go up and put a little leader off your main line to, to put the drop shot hook? No, I'm, I'm just talking what we call our dropper leader, which is the distance okay. from the weight on the bottom to the hook up above it. Yeah, okay. Do you, as, do you think it would be better? leader, I'm usually yeah. running a a 10 pound braid to an eight pound fluorocarbon with a, and I'm running about a 15, 20 foot leader on that. Okay. But do you think there would be any advantage to rather than tying that hook in line to having a little, you know, six inch leader off that to maybe give the bait a little more action? Uh, you know what? It probably wouldn't hurt anything, but I, I wouldn't see any, wouldn't see any need for it. Cause I don't think the bait needs to have a whole lot of action and being that it's already nose hooked, every time it's nose hooked, every time you shake that thing, that whole worm has a has a lot of quiver to it. Yeah, well, it's it's funny because you could hold it next to the boat and try to hold it still, and it still has action, right? <laughs> oh, and that's a whole other ball game. But in cold water, like when winter comes around, that's what I I try to preach to my clients: don't don't move that thing. It's already moving down there without you even realizing it. You know? Yeah. Okay. Now, let go if, more. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think that's a really good point because a lot of people. I mean, you, you just look at some of the bass fishing shows. These guys, it's impossible for them to slow down. They never stop it, moving. You know, and maybe just it slowing is. it down a little bit <laughs> might help. I get the Bob. I get the kids on the boat all the time, man. And all, all they all they've done is watch bass fishing on YouTube and stuff, and they come out. <laughs> trying to work their plastics 100 miles an hour, and half the battle is just to get them to slow down a little bit. Sure, sure, I'll bet. Now, what what are we looking for as far as structure, like where to start or, or, or develop a pattern on the kind of spots we should spend some time over? Well, big time, first and foremost, look for wind. If you have some wind, you really want to be fishing wherever the wind is blowing into. I mean, whether it be a point, you know, a tree, a, a steep wall, a rock pile, whatever. If you don't have the wind <clears throat> this time of year, and our mother load lakes are fishing a little different because they are falling very quickly, as you know. Um, I really like to get out on, on the longest main lake points you can find because that's going to give those fish something to move up and down on and feed on. And once you run a point, just go try to figure out what depth they're at. If you catch two fish off a point in 25 foot of water, well, now you have a starting 
you know, points, so to speak. And now you can go run other points and go start at 25 and start maximizing your day, that kind of stuff. Yeah, good plan, good plan. Hey, Ryan, thanks for taking us to school on that. I'm sure that's going to help a lot of people, including me, next time I go out. It just makes good sense, and you do it all the time, and it's uh, it's appreciated. Hey, I'm happy to be here. And like I was saying last night, let's get you out on the water here in the next few months, bud, for sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll try to do that. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate you coming right. on this morning. Ryan Cook Fishing, here's, here's the number, 559-691-7008. I mean, he's the kind of guy you go out with. What you're going to learn with Ryan, you can apply to any reservoir in this state. And all of a sudden, you become a better fisherman. So think of it that way. After the break, Mr. Dan Bacher. Welcome back. Welcome back. Well, last week, Dan Bacher had a surprise, not a good surprise, about all the salmon killed in Butte Creek because of spring-run salmon because of uh, PG&E shutting the water off the line of canal. I'm waiting to see what he has this week. Good morning, Dan. Morning, Bob. Well, this week I have something that's, that's very prominent in the news, and that's the... Um, the California DWR, that's Department of Water Resources, State Water Project Operation Managers, took the Hyatt Power Plant at Lake Oroville offline yeah. as the lake dropped to its lowest ever recorded water level. And as of right now, the current water level is only 60 or 641.39 feet above sea level. That's yeah. approximately 259.61 feet from maximum pool. It's 24, 24% 20, full, the lowest since the lake was uh, built. Right. And it's 34% of average. So that's 860,338 acre feet of water. So that's exactly what it is now. It's going in and it's going down every day. And well, you know, I saw a little release in the Mercury News that, you know, quoting Carla Nemeth, who's the director of the yeah. Department of Water Resources, this is just one of many unprecedented impacts we are experiencing in California as a result of our climate-induced drought. Well, Carla, save it for somebody else. Save it for the coastal people who will believe anything you say. I'm not buying it. Dan, you know, and I know, never in history has a reservoir been mismanaged as bad as Orville the last two years. Yeah, and in other words, okay, um, um, this is this is. Um, I, I believe that this is a climate-induced drought. Okay, so but that's a so big picture. Pardon. That, that's that an excuse. Yeah, that, that is that, not the point. The point, yeah, is that they totally mismanaged this reservoir, okay? Yeah. And they're using anything else to to take take away from their responsibility the way they, um, you know, responded to, yeah. first of all, record record what water flows on the feather river well, well two years ago in two, two years ago in june 
Orville, I mean, just two months ago, two years ago, the lake was 97% full. Now, uh, in two years, we exceeded what we couldn't do during a, in two years, what we couldn't do in a five-year drought that we just got done with in 2016. Right. So, so and, that's just, yeah. that's just simple, simply this. They over-deliver water to agriculture. Yeah, it's exactly. all politics. The one man that could stop it. And I, I, I'm not picking on them. This is not a partisan deal. This is just plain common sense. The man does not represent the best interest of California, and that's Gavin Newsom. I'm sorry. Right. It's just the way it is. He's the one guy could, that could stop this. By by having his leaders of the various departments, which all seem to be failures at this point, just thinking of the Department of Fish and Wildlife and the Employment Development Department, uh, among a few others. Now we can include Department of Water Research. They're failures, and, no, and yeah. don't t don't tell me he can't come up and tell the Federal Bureau of Reclamation, hey boys and girls. You're, you're destroying our state's natural resources. Stop it now. Or I'll go to the president, tell him what a bad job you're doing. He could do that, but he won't. Yeah, he could, He's but... too connected. Yeah. And here, here's, here's uh, this quote. This other quote from her is really interesting. Okay. Quote, following reservoirs are another example why it is so critical that all Californians conserve water. We are calling on everyone to take action now to reduce water use by 15% to preserve as much water supply and storage as possible should we experience another dry year. We are all in this together. Who said that? That was Carla Nemeth, the director of Department of Water Resources, same one that, that made that other quote that you she is not. She is. She is really foolish if she thinks anybody is going to believe it. You know what that amounts to, as far as the diverted water. It amounts to if everybody in the state domestic use save 15 uh, percent, it amounts to 1.5 percent of the state's water. It doesn't make a difference. And now right. talk to me about agribusiness with over 80 percent of water. Right. Hey, hey, Carla. You know, maybe you ought to look for, for another job because you're not doing this one very well. And, and like I've uh, said several times uh, on this program before, where we went through the actual water that's been diverted over the past 10 years and this year, um, you know, the, the uh, state and federal water project reservoirs were drained to supply uh, Central Valley corporate activists over the past uh -huh. 10 years and that's resulted in the situation where yeah the Warville reservoirs has declined to its lowest water level in history and it's now threatening salmon steelhead populations on the yeah. other fish population well they've already the killed a bunch of salmon because of the lack yeah. of good management yeah right so um and of course all the salmon that have been killed has been covered up by the Department of Fish and Wildlife, it's definitely a cover-up. I got word from talking somebody down in the director's office yesterday on the QT, of course, that uh, uh, Bonham's right-hand person, Jordan Traverso, put out the word, nobody talks about salmon. 
And then wow. I got word it came from the governor's office. So everybody is just all paranoid that, you know, they can't have any more negative elements in this recall. And in other words, nobody is doing their job. Everybody is covering their, their rear end. I talked to an information officer. I got mad. Uh, because I knew he was lying to me. But, you know, I said, you know, we're going to pick this up later because I know you're getting pressure from the inside. It is not fair to you. Bonham puts his good people in a very, very difficult situation. They know the truth. They're forced to lie. And anybody that does that does not deserve to be in any kind of political position in this state. And he leads the list. Right. And I'd like to add that, as I said before, in every water year except for two of the last uh, 10 years, and those years are 2014 and 2015, the state and federal water projects exported well over 3 million acre-feet of Delta water. And that is is a figure that... Um, environmental fishing and uh, tribal organizations developed um, to, to, you know, as a target for when when you go over that water level um, or that that, uh, export level, the fish are going to collapse. It's bad things, yeah. And that's what's happened. But not only do you have the fish collapsing now, I mean, but you have um, domestic users that are threatened, and and um, we don't have any water for the future. In other words, there's no planning involved. These people, yeah. they serve big corporate agribusiness like Stuart Resnick and Westlands Water District. Yeah. And hey, da- hey, and Dan. That, yeah. I saw another, the, the head of the Bureau of Reclamation, who you should never believe anything that comes out of his mouth, said, yeah, we're using uh, new Malonis, which they're draining, uh, to uh, help Shasta so we can uh, save the cool water pool for salmon. That's nothing but a damn lie. Right now, Shasta, as you and I are talking, are releasing 9,090 cubic feet per second from the control reservoir, Keswick Reservoir. They're not saving wow. anything for the salmon. Yeah. And they're just, when you have top officials in, in federal government lying through their teeth like that, I mean, it, it's time for a change. This state is just screwed up. Yeah. I it think is, everybody's getting the idea. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, just a, it's managed for yeah. corporations, not for the yeah. people. Yeah. Hey, Dan, we're out of time, but I do want to say I, I read your article on the Butte Creek fish kill, the salmon kill, in the News yeah. and Review, and I want to copy. What a wonderful article. I know it took a lot of time to research. Good job. Thank you very much, Bob. See you later. After the break, well, we'll talk about fishing somewhere. You know that. 